Amen. Amen. I know a lot of you have uh, Father's Day picnics and uh, cookouts and lunches and places to go, so I'm going to extend this a little bit longer today. <laughs> That's great. I love that kid. He's, he, could, he could always stay here. That's good. Amen. Amen. Father, we, just, we thank you, God, that you are so good. Father, we just ask you now to prepare the ground, God, that we would hear from you, God, that you would touch us, that we'd be changed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I usually start with a quote. I want to start with a letter this morning. A letter to Dad. I didn't write this. I found this. And I just thought it was, I, I just wanted to share this and start with this this morning. It's a letter to dad. So what does it take to become a father? Not much, actually. A few minutes of selfishness, thoughtlessness, or carelessness, and voila, a child is born. Congratulations, you're a father. It's no big accomplishment, really. Any guy can father a child. If there's one thing the 21st century has tried to teach us, it's that dads are dispensable. But nobody asks the kids who stare down the road wondering when dad is coming back. If you've ever been to an orphanage, they don't think dad doesn't matter. See, there's a unique space in the heart of every kid that only the love of a father can fill. Many single moms have done amazing jobs, but they'll be the first to tell you. You'll probably never meet one who will tell you their child didn't need a father. And that's why Father's Day is so much more than a card with a joke. It's not about the guy who brought someone into the world. Biology doesn't make a father. The real father is the man who quietly steps up, lays down his life, day after day, doing all of the unseen things that say, I'm there for you. I love you. Your needs come before mine. You're an important and valuable person. Dad, I want to say to you this morning that you matter. We often think, I'm so blessed to have these kids, and that's true, but something else is true as well. Your kids are blessed to have you as their dad. God chose you not only to be a father, but to be a father to the specific children that you have. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. God chose you not only to be a father, but to be the father to the specific children that you have. From God's perspective, you are a blessing to your children. God wants your children to know about him, and he picked you out of all the dads on the earth to make that happen. So the next time you're tempted to think you're not that important, that you're not getting anywhere, the next time you wonder if what you're doing matters over the long haul, remember God doesn't make mistakes. And dad, you matter. He chose you, dad. And that's one of the greatest comforts that we dads can take in knowing God. He always has a plan. It may not be apparent in those everyday moments that seem unimportant, but faithful fatherhood is a marathon, not a sprint. You matter, dad. You matter because God chose you and you're there day after day, faithfully doing all these things that add up to being a loving dad. And that's becoming an increasingly rare gift to kids these days. Your quiet faithfulness does not go unnoticed by your heavenly father. And so to all the dads out here today, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen. I'll be honest with you, church. This is one of the hardest days for me to prepare a message. 
Father's Day, holidays in general are pretty, are pretty hard to, to prepare for because there's, there's so much pressure, there's so much going on. And, but Father's Day is a particularly hard one to prepare. I don't know about other pastors, but for me, to prepare a message on Father's Day is a particularly hard uh, accomplishment. It's a hard thing to do. And you would think, you know, this should be an easy one. It's a day for men. <laughs> You would think, man, that's, that's easy. Tell the men to step up. Bring the scriptures that encourage men to be strong and courageous. To stand their ground. To take their rightful place in the home. To be the priest of their families. Tell them that fatherhood matters. That fathers are important. That they are and have always been and will always be in high demand. The truth is we can download a bunch of statistics that talk about the high percentage of men in prison and how they came from fatherless homes. We can download a bunch of stats about how a city falls apart when its men don't take its place. We can talk about how kids get pregnant too soon while little girls are looking for love that they didn't get from their dads. We can talk about how little boys have their growth stunted from taking on too much too soon. All because daddy's not home. We, why, we can talk about why we have a generation that's being raised by the music industry. A generation who Jay-Z and Kanye are their daddies. And we know they could care less about our kids. And, and, and man, that, that stuff gets me heated. I can bring a message with a lot of passion about that. But here's the problem. The men that would need to hear that message are not here today. They're already gone. <laughs> Those men are already missing in action. The men that are here today, you already know where you need to be. Come on. The men that are here today, you already know where you should be. You already know where you need to be. You already know that the devastation of your absence and what it would do. So you've already recognized that and you've decided to be here with your families today. To stand today. These are the men that I, I don't want to break down today. These are the men that we want to celebrate today. Amen? These are the men that we want to honor today. Now, don't get me wrong. Just being here doesn't make you a great dad. So those of you that are just visiting and you think, ooh, I got in. Great dad status. Got the t-shirt. Just being here doesn't make you a great dad, and perhaps some of you that I'm honoring today have fallen short. Perhaps you've made some mistakes. Perhaps some of you are walking in the consequences of those mistakes right now. But I want you to know this morning, it's never too late to be who you might have been. Come on! It's never too late to be who you might have been. I want you to know this morning that he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. I, I want you to know that you've made mistakes. If you've made more mistakes, keep going. If you've dropped the ball, get back in the game. I'm glad you're here today. And the, the body is glad that you're here today. The There's something different about a room that has some men in it. Come on. Right? Not only does it smell a little different, but I mean that in a good way, though. There's that testosterone with cologne, right? When there's real men in the room. It don't smell pretty in a room that has a lot of men. And it shouldn't smell pretty in a room. Come on. But, but I, I want you to know, I'm, 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 if, if you've messed up, if you've done, man, there, there's something. I'm glad you're here today because let me tell you, I have searched and researched and no matter how deep I get in the scriptures, I cannot find 
one simple example of a perfect dad. You would be challenged. You find a perfect father in all of scriptures except for the father. I'm going to get it twisted now. Some of you thought you had me. He's wrong. I know one. Yeah, okay, Jesus, we know. But I've been searching and researching and re-re-researching and I can't find a perfect father in, in all of scriptures. There were no perfect dads. There were men that did some incredible things. There were men that had some incredible father moments who were good fathers, but even the best of them made some big mistakes. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, incredible men of God. did some incredible daddy moments from time to time, but some epic fails. Amen? So there weren't any ex- excellent, perfect dads. So dads, I want you to know this morning, you're in good company. Amen? You're in good company. You're in, you're in the company of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of David and Solomon. And, and we could think about the good and the bad, but there were some incredible men that we read about and we study today. And we're in good company. Say amen. We started a series last week titled Bodybuilding. And that's so perfect, right, for a day like today. Bodybuilding. I'm going to ask all the men to get into the aisles and you're going to do 20 push-ups just to impress your families. Ready? Ready? All right, never mind. We titled, we titled the series Bodybuilding, and God, I, I, I believe something happened last week if you were here, right? Something happened last week. Something, something broke, and, 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 and I believe God is doing something, and we're going to continue to grow. I've been hearing some incredible try-it-now moments from a lot of you. If you missed that message, I want you to go online and, and just grab it. And, and so that you can be caught up with us and we could move along al- along the same thing. Amen. I believe that last week something happened. And I believe that I, I'm sensing that faith is growing in this house. I'm sensing there's a, there's a faith that's starting to build. There's an expectation that's, that's starting to, to elevate. And there's, there's something, there's chains that are breaking. There's ground that's being broken. I believe something is happening. Hey, I felt it last week, and I, I just feel the limits being lifted off of us. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't know if you know this, but even our sidewalk got done, got started last week. Amen. And, and it got started that week, and it got finished right after the message. And, and listen, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think there was something symbolic even in that. Because you see, for a new sidewalk to be put down, the old ground had to be torn up. <laughs> Let the wise understand. Tell somebody, it's not heavy. <laughs> For the new ground to be put down, the old ground had to be torn up. So what was happening on the outside was a picture of what God was doing on the inside. You you with me? The old ground had to be torn up and new rock, new foundation had to be laid for us to walk in level ground. For us to have a sure foundation. Now listen, I'm not normally very mystical like that, but we serve a supernatural God. And I believe if we look around in our day-to-day, we'll see God showing us pictures in the seemingly insignificant things. Pictures of what he's doing on the outside, symbolizing what he's doing on the inside. So I'm not one of those that, you know, if, if, if I walk and an apple falls, I start, you know, oh, that must be, you know, Genesis. And, and try to connect everything to a scripture or be, you know, be hyper-mystical. I, I'm not that kind of guy, right? But... But the, some, some things are obvious, and, and, and I believe this is, this is one of them. Because understand, we signed the contract for the sidewalk. We had the money. The minute I asked you for the money, we had the money. Say praise God. I came to you one day and I told you we need $10,000 to repair the entire sidewalk. We had the $10,000 in the bank right away. Right? Amen. That's a- Amen. But understand, I signed the contract for that sidewalk about two, three months ago. It was back in March. And, and for some reason, they kept having problems 
with the permits and they kept having insurance issues and, and maybe we weren't ready to have the old ground ripped up yet. Oh, you better pay attention today. We're, gonna, we're going in and we're going to go quietly, but if, you, if you're not listening, you're going to miss it. Maybe we weren't ready to have the ground broken up yet. They kept having problems, and then, then when, when everything got released and everything got okayed, all of a sudden, what happened? It's been raining for, for three months. Right? And you can't put down sidewalk in the rain. So then it looked like even God held it back. Until the right time came for the ground to get broken up. Ha, ha. Let's go in. See, now, the reason that we had to do the entire sidewalk brand new was because the DOT gave us a citation that basically said, I have the paper in the office, that this ground hasn't been taken care of for a long time. Ay, 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 ay. Muchacho. The violation read, there are too many trip and fall hazards on your ground. It said, there were too many places where people could trip and fall. There were too many places where people could lose their footing and get hurt. Also, the citation basically stated that there was too much damage to just repair the sidewalk. They weren't allowing us to patch it up. It couldn't be repaired. It had to be replaced. See, when we patch things up, we, we keep the old there, and we just, you know, you know, men, duct tape, right? Duct tape fixes everything. Amen? The number one tool, every man, if you don't have, you haven't learned that lesson, go to 99 cent store, buy 15 rolls of duct tape. Anything breaks, you can fix it with duct tape. Anything. I'll give you that as a freebie. If you're real creative, you can even paint the duct tape to match whatever it is you're fixing. Right? Come on. People are clapping that have like chairs with duct tape. <laughs> Sofas with duct tape. Praise God. Painted that thing brown, nobody noticed. You sit right there, everything's good. See, the, it, the, they were saying that we couldn't repair it. We had to replace it. Church, sometimes our lives are just like that. We have too many trip and fall hazards on our ground. Listen, you can sit in church for years and continue to apply patches, continue to do repairs, continue to, to, to have a little moment in worship and come to the front, continue to have a little moment and cry at the end of a message, continue to get emotional and think something changed and put a patch on something. I, I first aid kid right there. So about it. But church, I believe the season is among us to break up bad ground. <laughs> I was seeing this picture and, and I started searching the, the scriptures because I hate coming to the pulpit with just like a, a story or illustration. I want to preach the word. And so I said, God, if you want me to, to share this, if this, is where, if this is where you're leading me, because I've been struggling this last two weeks thinking about dreading this Father's Day message. I said, God, if this is where you want to take, you got to show me this in your word. Because I don't want to come into the pulpit with just a story and my emotions. I want to preach the word, amen? I want to come to the pulpit with fresh bread. And so I went searching for this broken ground, and I quickly fell upon Hosea 10. And if you turn to Hosea 10, if you look in verse 12, it says this. Sow for yourselves righteousness and reap steadfast love. Break up the fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. The word says, break up the fallow ground. Nobody's amening because you don't know what fallow means, do you? Neither did I. I had to look it up. When you come across a word you don't know, you ask Siri or Google. And so I had to look up that word. Fallow means Fallow ground means land that has been left uncared for. You with me? Fallow means barren. Fallow means unproductive. Fa fallow means 
stagnant. It means dormant. It means unused. God says it's time to break up the dormant ground. It's time to break up the stagnant ground. It's time to break up the unproductive ground. Listen, the city was telling us that the ground outside the church has been left uncared for. If there's an evangelist in you, you're stirring right now. If there's something in you that's unsettled right now, there's, maybe there's a heart for evangelism in you and it should, be, it should be stirring right now. The city was telling us the ground outside the church has been left uncared for. The word in Hosea was to God's people, Israel, who have been walking around in unfaithfulness and sin. If you read that whole passage and that whole story, they had accepted the idols of the areas around them. They had sat in compromise for a long time, not taking care of the things they should be taking care of and becoming very comfortable in their sin. Family, we have to be very careful that we don't get comfortable in our compromise. Sometimes we, we, you know, we, we slip a little bit, we fall a little bit, we go a little bit, but too often we stay there. Before, man, when we were brand new Christians, when we had just started coming to church, when we were new to this thing, we would fall and, man, we'd go get saved again. Anybody? How many of you had like 15 salvation calls at, at the altar? 15 to 1,500. Anybody? Right, every week you're getting saved. God, I just gave my heart to you again, God. Because obviously I didn't do it last week. And, and, but, but, but once we're here for a while, once we, it's easy to get desensitized to the presence of God. It's easy to be comfortable around the presence of God. And it's easy to take it for granted. Amen? The prophet was addressing the people of God. He was saying, you've sown iniquity, you've planted unfaithfulness, and now you're reaping injustice. Because church, listen, you can't plant bad seed and grow good fruit. The prophet is telling them that the the word of God is telling us it's time to plant righteousness, church. It's time to plant righteousness and reap steadfast love. And I love the urgency in God's word right here. He says, it's time. Meaning, the time. whenever the Bible says it's time, it means the time is now. Church, I need you to, this ain't like a Father's Day chill back message. I need you to lean in. The time is now. You understand? There's an urgency to this word. I I need you to get this with me. There's an urgency because, see, God operates in seasons. And so when God, when we understand that seasons come and seasons go, seasons start and seasons end, and and this season has to follow before this season, when we understand those pictures that God gives us, we understand that there's a season to plant, and then there's a season to break up the ground. And there's a season to plant the seeds, and if you don't get the seeds planted in the right season, you waste that entire season of harvest. Come on. Get this, you leave here smarter and more blessed today, I promise. If you don't get the seed planted during planting time, when reaping time comes, there'll be nothing for you to reap. (coughs) Sometimes, not always, but sometimes we go through dry seasons because we didn't plant anything the season before. I wish I could just sit down on that one. Sometimes we go through dry seasons because when it was season to plant, you didn't plant anything. When it was season for you to do something, you didn't do anything. And so a farmer would be foolish to come harvest time and expect a, a whole field of corn when he never put the seed in when it was time to put the seed in. You, you understand? This speaks to our parenting as well. Church, there's an urgency in our children. They're only going to be two one time. Say praise God. Because that's a hard time. (laughs) They're only going to be three and four one time. They're only going to be preteens one season. Amen. 
they're only going to be teenagers for one season. If you're not planting seed during that season, you can't go back and reseed. Ooh. Parents, too often we skip that time of planting because we want to make more money. Because we want to prepare ourselves more. Because we want more education. We want to get healthier. We want to build a better career. We want to build an education. Listen, and we're thinking about, well, we'll plant seed later. But the reseeding, you'll never get the reseeding time again. Because that season passed. Oh, please take this. Listen, listen. Well, what happens is we, we say, we, say well, we can plant later. We can plant when I'm more prepared, when, I'm, when, the, when the family's more established, when, when I got them in a, a better apartment, when I got them in a house. Uh, you know, I'm not, they're not going to see me for 10 years because I'm going to make sure I make enough money to get us that house. And then when we get that house, we'll, we'll have some plant season time. No. He's 10 now. He's 13 now. What happens is, while you were planting, thinking about planting later, the ground gets messed up. Because nobody's planting, or because while you were providing more or or preparing more, someone else was planting more. And the world starts dropping garbage on the ground and bad things start to grow. And then we want to slap that 17-year-old and say, what are you, where'd you get that from? I never showed you that. And, and the 17-year-old, like that commercial, could come right back and say, you never showed me anything. When it was time to plant seed, you didn't plant. So don't try to put seed in the ground now. I've already grown. Listen, the word this morning is, it's time to break up the fallow ground. Because it's time to seek the Lord so that he might rain righteousness upon you. It's time to break up the unproductive ground. It's time to break up the unfruitful ground. Family, if you've been doing the same things you've always done, chances are you've been getting the same results you've always been getting. So doesn't it make sense to change doesn't it make sense to do something different? He said, oh, but I'm always in this rut. Then stop in being in that rut. Do something different. Plant a better seed. You, you can't keep coming to harvest time and expecting stuff that you never put in. And that's the most frustrating thing ever. Right? You can't say, well, man, I, I, thought this, I thought this would be fields of mangoes by now. But, Papa, you never put a mango tree in the ground. Where, where were the mangoes supposed to come from? Where was that fruit supposed to come from if you never worked for it? If you never planted it? Listen, it's time to get radical about ripping up old ground. It's time to get radical about removing the trip and fall hazards from your life, from your children's lives. It's time we got radical in one area that Jesus said was the most important area. It's time that we got radical in our love for God and our love for each other. Jesus gave us a powerful parable about the importance of being good ground. He gave us four types of ground, and you can read about it in Matthew 13, in Mark 4, and in Luke 8. But the problem is with our consumer Christianity today, is that people usually critique the preacher. In this parable, Jesus critiques the audience. (laughs) Jesus says, when the seed, meaning the word of God, is planted, it's the condition of the ground that matters. It's not the messenger that matters. It's not the meeting place that matters. It's the ground that matters. Amen. 
It's the condition of the ground. There's four types of ground. Some people are like the ground on the pathway in, from this parable. They allow no room for the seed of God. There's no room for them. In, in, there's no room for the word in our lives. And so the, the seed never enters. And some people are like the ground that's rocky. And, and they receive the word, but there's so much other stuff in the ground that the word can't take root. And so it quickly dies. Some people are like the seed that fell among the thorns. And they received the word and they allowed it to take root, but then they allowed the interests and the cares of this world to choke it out. Some people are like the good ground. And they receive the word with a good heart. And they keep the word and it bears fruit, the word says, with patience. You know, we want a microwave Christianity, right? We want, that's not like our life, man. We want to, I want to say a prayer and then walk into my mansion. I want to say a prayer and then get that check in the mail. I want to say a prayer and then get that healing immediately. And sometimes the grace of God is so incredible, sometimes he does that. And we just got to be grateful, amen? But sometimes it's the test of the ground. Sometimes he says, yeah, you can't handle the check that I want to send you. You're not ready for the job that I have for you. You're not ready for the wife that I'm preparing for you. You're not ready for that man that I'm, that I'm grooming and building up. You're not ready for him yet. Come on. I get no amens with that. I understand. Listen, some of us run around from church to church and we leave pastor this for pastor that. We go to every conference and the next day we're still dry and broken. Why? Maybe it's not the seed. Maybe it's the ground. <laughs> go to a better pastor. Go to a better preacher. Go to a bigger church or a smaller church, whatever it is your thing. Go to one with more lights. Go to one with less lights. Go to one with louder music. Go to one with lower music. Go to one with faster music. With more music. Go to one. Go. But maybe it's not the seed. Maybe it's the ground. Maybe it's not the farmer. Maybe it's the ground. It's time to break up the fallow ground. Young people, listen to me. Children, listen to me. This is a biblical principle whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. You're going to reap what you sow. And that means whatever you plant is what you're going to grow. Young people, if you can hear it now, if you can get this now, you don't have to be screwed up like the rest of us at 40 trying to figure things out. If you could get this now, listen to me right now. Put the Instagram down. Put the, put the Facebook away. Give me, give me two minutes. If you could get this right now, I, I'll save you years of headache and, and sorrow and heartbreak. Whether you believe it or not, what you plant is what you're going to grow. If, listen, if you haven't had a dad in your life or your dad isn't that kind of man that's concerned about the ground and what's growing, I want to encourage you this morning, you could work your own land. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You can work your own ground. I know hashtag is not fair, okay. You can break up the areas in your life where you've been, where, where you've been cold. You can break up the areas in your life where you've been hurt before or areas where you haven't allowed yourself to do things and haven't done the things that you know that you should be doing or have no business doing. Young people, listen to me. When we allow those things in our lives, we grow cold. And those things and those decisions, they become like rocks in the ground. Our attitudes become like thorns. And when God uses someone to drop seed in you, the rocks and the thorns choke it out. And, and, and it can't take root. Listen, young people, the season is now for you to plant righteousness and so steadfast love. We can sit around and, and talk about like the 50-year-olds that we have in the building. Talk about life's not fair. I didn't have a good dad. My dad didn't love me. My dad wasn't there. My dad was absent. Okay, I wish that you all had awesome daddies. I really do. 
And by the way, some of you have awesome daddies and you're not appreciating them. Band-aid. Band-aid for the young people. Some of you have awesome dads, but you're not appreciating them because you have the kind of dad that's laying down rules and your friend's dad don't tell them nothing. And you say, I wish I had like my friend's dad. My friend's dad don't care what time he come home. My friend's dad don't care what. My friend's dad will buy him a nickel bag. My friend's dad will give him paper. My friend's dad buys him condoms. I wish I had my friend's dad. Your friend's dad is a punk. He's afraid to stand up and be a man. Young people, break up that unproductive ground. Say amen. In closing, listen, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, it says, There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow up. I want to close with a couple of fathers this morning. Fathers, you guys can come. I want to leave you with some fathers today. I believe God has blessed us with fathers, and I want you to hear from a few of them in closing today. So please give your attention to these fathers. Amen. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Yeah, everybody. All right. I wrote it down because if I do it off the top of my head, I'll be here way too long. So I really only had one example of what a dad should be like while I was growing up. Yeah, Yeah, of course I'm going to cry. I can't, I can't stand here and tell you that God revealed to me everything I should know about fatherhood. In fact, it wasn't until I was about 18 years old when I really considered to give my life to God for real, but I mean like for real, for real. So my father had the sole responsibility of teaching me the ins and outs of being a father. I can't say that I remember ever sitting down with my dad and having a, this is what you do as a father type talk. I had to learn everything about being a dad from watching him and experiencing him. Good, that's good. See, my, my mother was really sick when I was a little child. I didn't understand it back then, but dad added an extra pressure to my father, and his role was more complicated than your average dad. I remember seeing my dad getting up early in the morning for work, coming back home in the evening, usually with some type of groceries in his hands, or something for us to have for a late time snack, probably crackers and coffee, at the age of five. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yo. We would sit at the table and eat with him as a family. We would then go and watch TV. Usually it was the New York Mets, some Charles Bronson movies or some Sábado Gigante stuff. And he would fall asleep on the couch. On weekends, he would take us out places, usually to visit family we didn't really want to visit. And then we, we would go back home, and Saturday, Sunday night, he was doing laundry, ironing clothes. But he was a jokester, so there was always lots of laughs. I never felt the stress or the pressure of our family not having enough money or needing anything at all for that matter. It's not that those things didn't exist, but dad took care of it all. I could go on for hours and hours with stories and reflect on so many different things we did, and stuff that we went through as a family, but I do, I do want to leave you with one thing. It was a Father's Day in June of 2004, a setting very similar to this. A bunch of Christians gathered in a house of worship, singing songs, celebrating fathers, but there was only one difference. That was my father's funeral. I lost my dad in 2004, but what I didn't lose was all the valuable lessons I learned from watching him, 
and from being around him. The memories are countless. I didn't always get it right. In fact, I don't even like the New York Mets. But I did at that time because that's something that made him happy. Years later, I find myself, same routine, getting up early in the morning, going to work, always trying to make sure we have food in the house, eating dinner with my family if they can wait for me to get home, watching TV with my family, and yes, falling asleep on the couch. I learned. <coughs> as good as my dad was, though, I stressed him out. I won't tell you those stories, though. I didn't realize how selfish I was as a son, always thinking about me. What's best for me? How much can I have? Regardless of what my father's advice was, how much fun can I have? What can I do? What can I do to gain my friend's respect, although it contradicted the lessons I learned from my dad? What peer pressures would I give into and use as a role model instead of the values my dad had instilled in me already? Not every dad is alike, and I know that. Not every dad is the greatest, and I get that too. But listen, you will grow to be parents one day, and you too will understand how difficult parenting can be. In school, you have to do 12 years of school before you get your high school diploma, and even then your job opportunities are limited. You must then do another four years of schooling to get a degree, and then go out and try to prove that you're the best candidate for the job you're applying for without even really having the experience. There's no educational system in place to teach fatherhood. Some people become fathers without getting a diploma, no degree, and really no official training involved. You've heard of the school of hard knocks, that's when the surroundings are your teachers. As a child, you don't really have much of a choice though. You have to hope that your mommy made the right choice. But if you don't have a father around you, or you find that you don't have that type of relationship with your dad that you wish you had, for whatever reason, today I encourage you to surround yourself or parents surround your children with godly role models. Those who honor God with their lives and their actions. Those who have your best interest at heart. Those who not only believe that you can make it, but make it their job to help you make it. And those who are willing to tell you about their failures so that you won't fail the same way. Children, honor your parents, your dads. Learn everything. Watch their steps. Mimic them. They might fall, but if you're there, you'll learn to not trip on those same rocks. And as you get older, you'll help them when they fall. You'll learn. You're going to need this. All these times you lock yourself up in the room saying, I don't want to listen to mommy. I don't want to listen to daddy. All they're doing is helping you pass so you get that diploma. So when you get older, you're able to teach out of loving experience that you won't get anywhere else. The world will tell you otherwise, but your parents... Although they may not have all the answers, it's for you, everything that they do. Honor your parents, not only your father, your mother, your grandfather, your uncles, honor them. Do the best you can. You know what makes a really good dad? Really good children. Because it's less stress for us. God bless you. Bert always trying to make us cry, right? There's something about seeing a grown man cry that make other grown men cry. I tell you. My name is Ephraim Goiko, and I uh, just want to share my story with you really quick. Um, and I'm going to just read what I wrote down. For those of, for those of you who've heard my, me share my testimony, know that it's truly a Father's Day story. A story that is still being written. I say this because I know that I am still a work in progress. You see, I can tell you of how my mom and dad separated and how hard it was growing up with mom and a new boyfriend every other month. I can tell you of how my mom was badly addicted to crack and how our apartment was turned over to drug dealers to deal drugs out of. I can tell you of how my mom overdosed on drugs and how my dad stepped up and rescued us from those conditions and is the reason why I stand before you today as a man of God. Yeah, that's a great story of redemption and restoration and I will forever be grateful to my father but I'd rather encourage you with a story of my own opportunity 
of redemption and restoration. See, listen to me, fathers. I will tell you and my kids will echo that I'm still growing and learning. You never stop. What my, dad, what my dad did impacted me in such a profound way. I saw a man, when his moment came, step up and reclaim his position as a father. Introduced me to the Lord and showed me that a real man, what a real man looked like in spite of mistakes in the past. These lessons I would take with me even as I raised my own children. I wish I could tell you that the story ended there and I got it all together now and that I'm this awesomely amazing pastor dad. But it's not true. I had to repeat this cycle before I totally understood why this example from my dad really made sense to me. I have an 18-year-old son from a previous relationship. As much as I would like to think I was a present force in his life, I really wasn't. Maybe an occasional phone call here, an occasional gift here, an occasional week for the summer there. Was that really enough to call myself a dad? All the while being Christian. You see, I'm no different from anyone sitting here. I truly am a work in progress. It wasn't until an opportunity arose is when I would understand the importance of what my dad did and why I would have to make the same decision. When I needed the hero, the one person I should always count on answered that call. To me, it didn't matter how long it took. It didn't matter how many birthdays we missed or promises that were broken. That one act of my father wiped away all of that. I was 15 years old then and pretty much thought I was a man because of some of the things I was caught up in. Things that most men will never be involved in. But I didn't realize how much I needed my father until I heard him say those words I will never forget. Come, let's go. I will never bring you back to this place. See, now I fast forward to the present and I'm given this same moment. Said I could choose from a list of excuses why I can't take this 18-year-old kid and perpetuate a cycle that is all too familiar. Or I could seize the moment like my dad did and choose to do what my dad did. See, I learned from his example. I did what I saw a real man do. I decided to break the curse once and for all. That son is here today. Wesley, stand up. <laughs> I also have two other kids. Nathaniel, stand. And Natalie, please stand. See, please don't get this message wrong. I'm not bragging about a decision I made, but I want to encourage fathers that may be in the same situation that it's never too late to change or to make things right. See, redemption and restoration is offered to all of us, man. See, maybe your story isn't as extreme as mine. Maybe you are home and presently raising your kids, but find yourself always too busy to be involved in their lives. Maybe you're one of those guys that never knew a father's love, so you feel that you don't have the capacity to show love to your kids. That's a lie, and I break that curse today. <laughs> to this day, I find myself tempted to use those excuses, but I remind myself of the example of my heavenly father and how he loved me when I was so unlovable. I'm a grown man no longer living under my father's roof. But I'm still learning, still growing as I dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. He is making me better. He will make you better. Today is Father's Day and we are here to honor fathers. But I want to honor my kids today. All of them. And I want to say thank you for letting me be your daddy, for loving me in spite of my mistakes, allowing me to grow and being patient 
with me as we do life together. I may not always get it right, but you don't hold it against me. And I love you for that. And most of all, I want to thank my wife. for following me or allowing me to be a better man and father. I don't make these decisions on my own. She helps and supports me. They say behind every great man there's a great woman, but I say beside every great man is a great woman because we walk this out together. So like I said, they cut my mic off. How's <laughs> that? I'm done. <laughs> like I said in the beginning, I wish I could tell you I got it all together, but I simply do not, and it's simply not true. I'm still a work in progress as we all are. My story is only made exceptional because I allow God to make it that way, and he wants to do the same for you. So thank you for letting me share my story with you today. And last but not least, I want my dad to stand up. My dad is here. He's a member of this church now. Amen. No, I didn't write anything. <laughs> I'm not a writer. Um... And to be honest, I had trouble preparing anything for this, for something like this. Because uh, unlike Ephraim, unlike Bert, yes, I did have a father my whole life. Yes, he's still alive. And I do have a relationship with him t today. And yes, he is serving the Lord. But growing up, he worked a lot. He wasn't around a lot because he was the one to work a lot of hours. And so, so I rarely saw him. I didn't have a man figure in my life. I didn't have a man figure to, to show me what, a, what a, a, a man's supposed to be. Um, so I want to I speak, speak to the young people right now. Because I spent a lot of, of my youth, a lot of when I was young on excuses I usually excuse my father wasn't around and that, that led me into to, to get abused by my mother so I didn't have a man to protect me I didn't have a man to show me to provide for me so I was basically I felt alone and even though even then God was bringing people in my path to help me and, and, to, and to show me and stuff like that but it, it's not the same when you don't have your father around so I was messed up fear was my daddy feeling less of myself was my daddy I didn't have that proper so, so excuses was my daddy and that was my reason for why I was messed up. I use excuses where I could have chose growth. So young people, no matter where you at now, where your father is, where your relationship is, you need to stop using excuses and use it as to grow. Because what you're going through is going to make you the man that you're supposed to be. I'm only the man I'm supposed to be partially because... I chose to take my experience and grow from it. I say long before I got married, long before, if and when I do become a daddy, I'm going to do everything the opposite of what I was known to be. That's, that's when I was young. So young people, use it to your advantage and grow. Don't use it as an excuse. For the fathers out there, or for the future fathers out there and for the single moms I'm speaking to you right now you too need to use it to your advantage and grow no more excuses man no more excuses I can't tell you how many stories I hear oh because I uh, 
Oh, I'm because I'm, I'm screwed up because my, my daddy wasn't around. Listen, I feel your pain. But so what right now? So what? Start fresh. Make your own memories. Erase the old and make new memories. Become the man that God wants you to be and not because when you're yes, younger yes, uh, it's supposed yes. to be. See, when I was young, because I was raised by fear and because I was raised by everything else, I'm not supposed to be who I am right now. I am who I am because God's grace showed me. I chose God. I'm going to choose you. So so teach me how to, I could grow because I, I don't know how. And again, God started pouring out examples. Here's an example. Follow him for that. Here's another example. Follow him through that. Here, here's another example. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to give you a great example. Here's a wife to help you become the man I want you to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God is that amazing that he will bless you, man, with a wife that will run alongside of you and lift you up. She could be any, she, God, she could be anything that I need her to be. That's, that's what a wife is. God is whoever you need him to be. That's who God is. So for this Father's Day, listen, I don't got a nice end. My nice end story is not ending with, uh, um, you know, um, like, like you heard, like I have an image to act out. No, my image is what the word says I'm supposed to be. My image is what God is, says I'm supposed to be. My image, how I parent is, what, what does the Bible say about that? And even if I don't know, if I don't understand what, what the God is telling me, I have a wife to, to, alongside of me to say, let's do this, let's do that. So I, I, my fatherhood, I think my wife, I want to honor my wife today. See, see, Ephraim stole some of my, some of my thunder, but great minds they can like. I only, the, the father that I am today is only because I have the wife who I have. I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I thank my wife. I would ask her to stand, but she'll kill me. And I have an awesome life. Awesome, awesome life. I'm a, I'm a walking blessing. And I could, listen, and it's only like that because I chose to grow from my circumstance. I, I, I could have chose to be in that, that funk I was in, but no, I chose to grow. So amen. That's my story. Church, if we're going to be about bodybuilding this season, the first thing we're going to have to start doing is preparing the ground. Amen. It's about good ground. It's time to break up the unproductive ground. Time to break up the unfruitful ground. The, the message that we have today that we should walk out of this building with, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've yet to experience, if you belong to God, you've got a daddy. You've got a daddy. Romans says that once we become believers, we receive his spirit and we receive the spirit of sonship where we can cry, Abba, Father. See, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he started this way. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. And so I want you to remember that prayer because when you can come now as believers no matter where you are. You can come to God and you can say, your son said I can call you daddy. So daddy, I need you in this area. Daddy, I need you in my life. Daddy, I, I need your help. Daddy, I need you. And if that's your prayer today, we've had a pretty emotional morning. But if that's your prayer today, would you, would you stand?
Would you stand and say, I just, I received that spirit of sonship. And I just want to cry out to daddy for a couple of moments before we leave this place. Before we enjoy families and, and friends. Tell God, your son said, I can call you daddy. I love that. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship together.